Off the Rails from the U.S. Faster Payments Council. I am Regan Lutanen, Executive Director of the U.S. Faster Payments Council, and this is Off the Rails from the U.S. Faster Payments Council, sponsored by Volante Technologies. This time it's going to be a fun discussion with Miriam Sherrill from Forum 3. Miriam and I talk about interoperability, shifting the mindset for financial institutions, how big this could all be, and playing poker in Las Vegas. But before that discussion, let's take a look at the headlines. The FPC has issued our call for session proposals for the FPC's fall member meeting, which will be September 26th and 27th in Memphis. It's going to be a lot to talk about and a lot of folks looking to get on stage to share their thoughts, so get your proposals in. Also, registration for the event is open at fasterpaymentscouncil.org. We'll be at the Hyatt Centric on Beale Street in Memphis, and we'll have a fun evening event at the legendary Beale Street establishment, Silky O'Sullivan's, scheduled for September 26th. If you'd like to help us out with sponsorship for that event, shoot us a note at memberservices at fasterpaymentscouncil.org. The Faster Payments Council has sponsored with Reuters on Transform Payments 2023, and I'll be in Austin June 13th and 14th hosting a discussion on account-to-account real-time payments with Joe Hussey of Wells Fargo, Michael Bilski of North American Banking Company, and Bernadette Kasepka from the Federal Reserve. FPC members are entitled to a discount to attend the event, and you can find the details on that in the April newsletter. Also in July, we'll be joined on the podcast by Payments Elsa, Angela Murphy, PhD of Photon Payments, who will also be attending the event and will be sharing her thoughts and insights with us. Hope to see you there. Okay, that's enough of the headlines. It's time for that discussion with Miriam Sherrill from Form 3. Okay, we are joined by Miriam Sherrill from Form 3. Miriam, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, let's let's jump right in here, Miriam, because we have a lot to cover. And I thought it would make sense to start by zooming out and thinking about how big a change we're heading into in terms of payments infrastructure here in the United States. So, you know, when when you put on your payment nerd hat for a minute, what do you think about along those lines? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's be honest, if you're listening to this or on this podcast, you are a payment nerd. So probably what I'm thinking, everyone's thinking. Um, and also, if you're here, you're not just a payments nerd, you're a faster payment or instant payment nerd, which means we're all here because we think this is the future. Uh, I know that's why I'm in this in this space. So in 10 years, we think this is going to be you know, absolutely critical infrastructure, um, which means I don't think it's ever going to replace Fedwire. We're not going to go a penny under a billion, you know, wholesale payments, but there's plenty that's going on in the wire world that can move over. And I literally just had a call with a bank right before this, where that's what they were talking about. They're going to see a lot of their wire traffic move over because they have real estate companies and those who want to do deals on the weekend, which says nothing for work-life balance, but does explain why instant payments 24-7 bit of a higher limit than you can get today for Zelle and those type of systems matters. Um, so I think it's going to change the whole world of business that we have out there. A lot of banks are thinking, why do we have to do this? We've been talking about this for a while. It doesn't seem to be happening. A little bit of the chicken and the egg, like you need a network effect 
before we're going to get to volume and changes in the businesses and, and how they run today. But once you get to that network effect, then all of a sudden businesses are going to be able to do things on the weekends or late at night or with higher dollar limits. And so if you're a bank that can't support that and you can't support that now, you may be out of the game, right? That's that's the problem. You either do it in advance or you're too late because everyone else has already done it. And now the whole the whole world of these use cases open up. I, I think about cell phones, um, which I'll age myself, but like I was around when people would walk around on cell phones and you would look and go, that is really weird. Nobody's going to be walking around on cell phones. Like this is the odd people in the world. And now how many of us don't even have landlines? Like that's just the reality. My kids look at my landline phone and they think it's the weirdest thing in the world. So I think that's that's instant payments. That's faster payments here. Right now, everyone's like, eh, I've got wire. I've got ACH. Like, what's the point? And then, you know, in my world in 10 years, it's going to be the norm. If you don't have it, you're the odd one out. So I think I think it's a huge change coming, which again, that's why I'm in this business. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, Peter Tapling, whom I'm sure you you know, often will say, "We'll know that we've made it when we just call them payments, not faster payments." Yes, uh, and I I think that's where we're going. Right? It used to be that the landline was the phone, and now you now your phone is your phone, and the landline has to have some other name. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. Uh, so so when you look at that, that's obviously a massive change. I think, you know, there, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, talking about different financial institutions, but what are the implications for different FIs? You know, how might their thinking need to change to take full advantage of the capabilities of these, you know, this new technology, these new payment rails? Right. And so I ended my my slight rant there about, you know, you have to do it now. So the waiting game is over. Um, FedNow is coming to launch, which I think is going to be a huge catalyst as well, because I think there was a little bit of a waiting game will we get to a network effect or not? FedNow's coming, we will. And I think both networks are going to now see significant growth. I do I do want to shift to how could banks think about this a little differently? So the reality is, yes, you have to do it now. Yes, it will take some time for the volume to grow, for use cases to move over, which means you can take advantage of that. So we have many banks talking to us with a new mindset of either the you know rather large ones who always build it themselves, build everything themselves, and obviously, Fedwire, even with the ISO migration coming, they're still thinking that. Huge risk, tons of volume, critical infrastructure. I'm not trusting a vendor. I'm not changing my you know, stance. FedNow and RTP is a bit different. This is a world where you can do something different. You can build it for the future instead of having to think about what you're doing now and just upgrading it. So it's brand new, which means you can take a bit of risk. You can start with that you know, crawl, walk, run model, not just in how you implement it. We see banks doing that, right? Start with receive only. Then they add their send. Then they add these other stuff. But even in your technical implica- uh, implementations of the service. So if you're someone who doesn't usually use a provider or you're uncomfortable with the cloud, this is the time where we're suggesting, and it's why Form 3 actually entered the market now. It's like now's the time where banks can learn to trust a vendor can learn to trust a multi-cloud option, can b- use something that's built for where we think this is going in 10 years, where it's 24-7, it's always on. You never want to be the one who has to do maintenance and then take your services online. Predicting huge volumes, again, not right now, so it's less risky to make this choice, but you want to build it so that in 10 years when payroll moves over and other payment use cases move over, you're not like, oh, shoots, you know, my solution can only handle 10 transactions per second, I need something that can handle 3000. So I would suggest that all financial institutions should be looking at this as like, 
what do you want it to look like in 10 years from now and build it that way now because you have the opportunity to do it. It's not so risky. You can afford a few bumps right now and that way you're set up for the for the future. So that that would be my push and perspective. Yeah, so actually actually do it right the first time. Do it do it right the first time and and you know, the the big fail fast <laughs> comment that people say mm. a lot what it actually means. You could actually mean it now. So fail fast. Do something different. You might get it wrong. You're going to learn a ton. And then the second time you're going to do it right. And you have enough time to do that now. But if you wait in three years, you're going to be kind of against the wire. And then you're going to have to do it right right away. And you're going to want to take less risky options, which might limit you. Yeah. And ultimately create a lesser product than you could have made. Uh, all right. We, we've spent a lot of time, not, not you and I on this podcast yet, but we in general in the, in this nerddom, the whole U S industry yes, talking, yeah. talking about interoperability. And of course the FPC, we've got a network committee and they've helped frame up that discussion with a white paper. They put out a couple of years ago on different approaches to interoperability, which listeners, if you haven't seen it, you can find it at fasterpaymentscouncil.org. Um, how do you, how do you see that issue playing out and what are some approaches that FIs can take there regardless of what the clearinghouse and the Fed end up doing. Yeah. So my background before Form 3, as as many who know me who might listen to this know, is I worked for the Fed. Um, So obviously what I'm sharing is kind of my view and Form 3 view, not the Fed's view. Personally, I think there's a ton of misconception out there um, about interoperability and about kind of how it works, what it means, what it doesn't. You know, a, a faster payment I like what you said earlier, like we have to just call it payments, but we can't yet. So a faster payment is about read paying Miriam and it gets to Miriam in seconds. Like that's what this is about. We don't have anything out there now. We have wire, which I know is a real time settlement between the banks. But from a rules perspective, that is not about read getting his money to Miriam in seconds. There's a lot more that can happen. There's hops between banks. And we have ACH, which is nothing to do with that, right? It's lower retail dollars, but it's not. And so Every time interoperability comes up, everyone compares it to those systems like, oh, ACH interoperates. Right. But my money doesn't get to you so fast. Sure, the two networks interoperate, but it takes time to move it. And wire and chips does not interoperate. Right. But they also have like banks that can play the game of doing hops between the different systems. And we can't allow that right now for FedNow and RTP either. So it's really, you know, it's a Frankenstein baby of ACH and wire is what I called it. And yes, I called it when I worked up Fed now, my boss was not happy at the time, but that's really what it is. It's very hard to do both. It's very hard to have something start on one network and end in the other network, but also means that you get money within 20 seconds of when I sent it to you. And so I don't think it's going to happen so fast, not true message interoperability. I think there's a lot more from a legal you know, stance, but also just technically that makes it hard routing interoperability is the push. It's what they're trying for, which just means like keep it aligned enough that banks can route. So for me, again, like here's the deal. Remember, there are players out there that are coming to market to solve this for banks. So instead of a bank having to sign up for RTP and FedNow because of the lack of interoperability and build two different systems because the messaging isn't quite aligned, look at the providers out there who are building both and then they're offering one product, right? So Form 3 is offering a US instant payment product. It's a set of APIs, you connect to it. It can go to RTP or FedNow. So as a bank, you sign up for both, but you can still do one integration in order to access both rails. You don't have to choose one or the other. And again, 10 years in the future, 
I should start saying five, 10 years in the future, this is going to be the world. It's going to be critical infrastructure. At that point, you're going to probably want two, two rails. You're going to want the resiliency. So think about that now. Can I get two rails in one shot at one cost? Um, and there, there are a lot of players. It's not just Form 3. That's that's kind of how the service providers are thinking about it because they can solve this problem on behalf of the banks. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to sort of think about like systemically. Like obviously, if the two networks somehow were interoperable in the way ACH is, then each one would benefit from the reach of the other in a way that would sort of in the short term expand the reach of both, right? But to your point, like in the longer term, having that resiliency of two networks, if ultimately they both achieve ubiquity or near ubiquity, that's that's super important too in terms of you know being able to conduct a transaction, even if let's say you'd prefer to use you know, one network over the other, but if that network is down, you at least have an option to get the transaction done. Yeah. I mean, we have two rails everywhere. Like that's the other thing. We we have two ACH rails. We have two high value wire rails. There's two check processing centers. I mean, the U S is huge. We're special. We like to, yeah. we like to think it, but we are. Um, so I don't yeah, see why cards all have at least two networks on them. Cards have more than two networks. Yeah. yeah. At least two. At least two. Yeah. And finally, let's get a little, a little weird here for a minute. Cause I know you guys have, you guys have a lot of experience in other markets. Yeah. Um, and I, I say weird because like, I, I don't generally like to do predictions, but I'm going to ask you to, because you're the guest and I get to ask the questions. Um, so when you look at that experience in other markets, what do you think we should expect to see translate over to the U S in terms of, you know, growth use cases, things like that? Yeah, so we are we are the U.S. We are special. I sound like such a New Yorker because I'm from Brooklyn, and like New York is special too. Um, but I, I do think that's a mistake. We do that way too often, right? Like we think we're special and we're going to be different. And when everyone said U.S. is behind, we're like, that's because we're special. We actually will. We can learn a lot from the other markets. So yeah, you're right. Form Three's got um, products in uh, U.K. and Europe, and then the U.K. specifically is where we're peeling back the the onion because we've got like 50% of the volume there. So really got to see this like growth and what what happened. Um, it took time. So it was like, it, it's almost a decade in and they're seeing huge growth now, but it took the time to get there. And I know RTP has got six years, but I do think, you know, right or wrong for whatever reason, we haven't seen the adoption from a bank perspective. Um, so it's going to take a bit of time with Fed now coming, I think, to drive that adoption, that network effect. And then I think both rails are really going to benefit from that. Uh, so in the UK, what's interesting is they saw a lot of movement from BACs, and that's their ACH rail, specifically standing orders moved over to the faster payment system. So they saw huge volumes from that. They did not see huge growth in the P2P world. They don't have an alias-based solution. You mentioned Peter as like his favorite topic, so I'm sure you've talked to him about it. Um, but I always find that fascinating, like how they are handling P2P there without aliases, like... I know they have sort codes, it's a little bit different, maybe easier, but if I'm paying you in a bar, you are not giving me your account number and I'm not sitting there typing it in. I need your email or phone number. Um, so I think for the US, we're going to see a lot of growth in the P2P space. I think that's going to be a piece of it, but it won't be all of it. Uh, and I don't think we're going to catalyze. I don't know if that's the word. Catalyze? Capitalize? Sure. But either way, I don't think we're going to kill wire ACH. I think all of payments is going to go up. And that's exactly what UK saw. Total payment volume went up. Like backs didn't go down just because FPS went up and got standing orders. 
more use cases, more payments came to fruition. I think that's going to happen in um, the U.S. And I will not go down the checks path because I think every single person who ever predicted that checks will go away has failed. So there's a chance, but I'm not going to predict it. Yeah. Uh, you know, continue to decline, perhaps. Uh, I still have three different checkbooks. So I, I believe I have one somewhere. Um, I don't know where it is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think cannibalize was the word you were looking for. Earlier. Cannibalize. There it there is. Go. Uh, all right. I want to play a game though. Are you ready to play a game? Buy or sell? Games are fun. Okay. So, you know, the game, I'll put out some propositions. You let us know whether you agree and buy or disagree and sell. Here we go. Fraud is the biggest thing that will hold us back from scaling the adoption and usage of instant payments in the United States. Sell. I mean, I think we honestly make a huge deal about fraud, which I get because fraud's an issue, but it's not a new issue. There's fraud on wire. There's fraud on ACH. There's ways that we handle it. There'll be fraud on instant payments or faster payments, and we're going to handle it here also. We'll use some of the things from those other rails. We'll have to do new things. It's just going to be the constant dance of fraud, right? We'll solve it. They'll get better at it. We'll solve it. They'll get better at it. But I, I don't think it's new. Those rails scaled. This rail will scale. I don't think it's going to stand in our way. Just something that everybody has to work on. Good. Uh, this one you told me wasn't an interesting one. I'm going to ask you anyway. Irrevocability is a net benefit for instant payments such as RTP and FedNow. And the reason I said that is because I don't know about you, but sometimes, sometimes I talk to like my family about my job. And it's just really funny. Like if you talk to people who aren't into payments, like you say irrevocability, they're like, what the hell does that mean? Can I go to the ATM and take out my money or not? And though I try to explain like that is actually what it means. Like if it's irrevocable, then it's getting posted to you and you can take out your money. Um, I do think it's a net benefit. So yes, I'll, I'll buy it. I think that is the point. The point is that Miriam wants to go to the ATM and take out her money. That is what irrevocability enables. So it is a net benefit for these systems. Yeah, of course, those people, people don't have to worry about it because we sit here and wring our hands around about it. Um, cross-border instant payments will be a reality in the next three years. I wish I can say bye. I'm going to say sell. I think there is so much work to get to cross-border payments. I think we we want to buy it because really, if you went to like money 20, 25 years ago and everyone talked about instant payments, they were talking about cross-border. That's the actual use case that was driving. But before you can get to cross-border, you need domestic. It's going to take us time to get to like a ubiquitous domestic solution. Uh, there's a lot of work being done. Um, the IXB work RTP did. There's something that in um, the SEPA the just announced as well. But I, I just think it's going to take more time than three years. So sell, sorry. No, oh, see <laughs> I'm 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 optimistic there. Uh, buy or sell folding pocket aces to watch your husband sing karaoke. Yeah, so I'm going to have to buy this one, even though I want to sell this one because I literally did this. So my husband loves karaoke. We've been married 17 years and I never heard him sing it except for one time because it was our 10 year anniversary. We were in Vegas where I play poker and Harrow's has like poker on one side and karaoke bar on the other side. So I promised him that if he's up, I will come listen to him sing karaoke. And I am not joking. I had pocket aces. I did fold them. If that's not commitment, I don't know what is. Hey, and you've you've made it at least another seven years. So that's true. There you go. <laughs> nearly doubled where you were at the time. All right. P2P is going to drive the volume for instant payment services in the US. 
So I'm going to, you're going to hate my ad. I'm going to buy it 50%. I feel like a lawyer. I, I, it will, it will drive adoption. It will drive volume. I don't think it will be the only driver. I think there will be lots of other drivers as well. Okay. There are tons of faster payments use cases that can add value across multiple segments of the payments ecosystem. Okay. See, you'll like this answer. Bye, bye, bye. Full bye. How's that? Just bye. Yeah. I, 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 based I, on your previous answer, it should be. Yeah. So it would be great if I was like, sell. Um, <laughs> We, we're going to turn back in five years and go, oh, God, I didn't even think about that one. And that use case popped up. So everything we're thinking about will likely come to fruition. And I think things we haven't even dreamed up will come to fruition. So it's like online, right? Like when you when the web started and like nobody could imagine what we actually do online today, I think the same thing's going to happen in payments. Yeah. I don't, I don't, if, if any of us had thought of Netflix, we would be doing that and not what we're oh, doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. How about... There is something to be said for truly like unplugging from technology. Yeah, 100% buy again. See, I'm giving you some straight answers. Um, you know, I unfortunately, um, I always respect the people who can do it, who like literally can go and just say, I'm going on vacation. I'm plugged out. Don't contact me unless someone's died. Like, I think it's wonderful and I'm not good about it. I am lucky. So I am an Orthodox Jew. So I have certain like forced plug out. So our, our Jewish holidays and the Sabbath, it's literally like you disconnect from the world. So you can like eat, you can sleep, you can talk to your family, you can pray. It's about it. You don't have a choice. And it, it actually really helps me because I don't really have the willpower that I wish I had to do it myself. But this forced me to do it. And the last few years, as you can imagine, with Form 3, you know, coming to market this year that I'm working on and Fed now before that have been really, really busy. So without that kind of forced unplug, I don't know that I'd still be doing this. Like I would have, I would have burnt out. So it's a big buy and it's a push to everyone to remember that life is more important than work unless your work is like saving lives, which ours isn't. So, yeah. I mean, think about why you do it. Right. Um, I, I do have to sort of interject here because throughout the process of getting prepared for this and now this interview, I've learned two things about you. I learned that you don't have a television in your house and that you do now, I, I now know that you do have a landline, which I would think like, that's like a very like narrow, like slice of the US like population that meets those two at this point. And, and probably a lot of Orthodox Jews actually meet okay. that because many don't have smartphones yet. So they have landlines, but they don't have TVs. So, but I do have a smartphone. So, All right. Usage and adoption of instant payments will diminish the use of ACH. You kind of already said no to this, but let's see if you stick to it. Yeah, so so I don't I don't think so. I think that we will get some of the ACH traffic. I think some of it will move. I think ACH traffic will grow though, and other use cases will pop up there. I don't I don't envision anything coming down. Movement between the rails, but total increase. So selling selling that one. Yeah, I think just more payments, right? More payments. More payments. All right. Congratulations. Ah, oh, I was going to say you won, but you did have that one where you didn't fully buy it. So it's like a, like a 50% win. Like you, we'll give it, we'll give it to you. You're congratulations. You're winning. Give me a win. Thank you. Okay. Let's move on to our lightning round. So you can try to answer these real quickly and we'll run through these. Uh, so we don't bore our audience any more than we have to, uh, use for, give me a use case for faster payments that you personally would be excited about seeing in the United States. Only one. Wait, how long do I get to? Okay. I was going to go with like gambling app, but I won't. I'll be more honest. Um, emergency relief and funds and charities. I think that there's a lot of need out there and there's a lot of hoops. I personally have a friend 
You said five to 10 seconds. Okay. Emergency relief funds charity. Done. Great. We actually have a member called Payments as a Lifeline that's working on that exact thing. Uh, biggest thing we should be working on collaboratively to drive usage and adoption in 2023. Uh, standardization and alignment. You know, the U.S. is huge. I think that's the thing we keep we keep missing. So across 10,000 financial institutions, the better we get at aligning, standardizing, the faster we're going to grow. All right. Give us a good book we should try out. Okay. Ender's Game, but I get like five seconds for a quick story, which is just that like, to me, Ender's Game is the sci-fi book. And I come from a tech background and like all of tech people in my world read it. And I was once talking to like this leadership of tech and I mentioned it and none of them read it. And I was scandalized. And then their boss came and he's like, of course I've read it. None of you have read it. And I almost got a whole team fired. Ender's Game. I haven't read it. I'll, I'll, I'll put it on the list. Uh, something people often get wrong when it comes to faster payments. I touched on this before. It's not new. So, well, no, that it's not new. Meaning like everyone's like, oh, it's wire. Oh, it's ACH. Like, no, it's a new thing. It's a combination of those things. But stop trying to take your processes from one of those and apply it to this. You have to take it and think about the changes. So even reconciliation, like anything you're trying to do, it's not wire. It's not ACH. You got to think about this new type of payment and build for that. It it often makes me think of I'm going to violate my own rules and lightning around here because it it's like in Back to the Future two where they where he goes to the future and there's like all these like like a dust repellent book jacket right like 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 that's you know like thinking about like existing technology and the sort of like improving it rather than like this being a step change yeah. Um, yeah. This is new. It's completely different. You're not going to reconcile it the way you reconcile your wire and you're not going to do it the way you do ACH and just remember that it's brand new and you can do things differently. All right. One type of technology that will enable a ton of payments functionality. Oh, my answer is going to sound so generic. APIs. So I know APIs have been around for a while, but I don't think they're always used right and strategically and for instant payments specifically, given the timing and given what you have to do I think APIs, if used right, um, will really, really change change us and let us grow the functionality. And a topic we didn't talk about that people will be talking about in the next year or so. Oh, we talked about the one that I thought we weren't going to talk about, which was cross-border, because I think that everyone's going to be talking about cross-border, um, but something else that we didn't talk about that people will be talking about. You know what? It's not faster payments, but I'm going to go with it. ISO for Fedwire, because nobody's talking about it, but it's around the corner. So it really freaks me out that nobody's talking about it. How's that? Yeah, well, people are, we have a cross border work group. So people have been talking about that for a while anyway. So that's true. Uh, all right. Final thoughts before we let you go. Uh, let's see. First of all, thanks for having me on. This was fun. Probably the most fun podcast I've been on. So I do like games. Um, it's just a reiteration of kind of the message of probably repeated seven times here, but really, you know, instant payments, faster payments that we will one day just call payments is new. So think about it differently. Be open to leveraging providers from threes out there. Others are out there, you know, reach out, do your research, uh, but definitely do it now because if you wait, you're going to be too late. All right, Miriam. It's a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again to Miriam for joining us and helping make sense of all this. 
Don't forget to register for the fall member meeting at fasterpaymentscouncil.org. Talk to you all in a couple weeks.